I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 164 of the No Encore Music Podcast. My name is Dave Hanratty. I've said that already. Fuck, it is pressure when you take a week off. It really, really is. He's back. It's great to see you. Craig Fitzpatrick. Hello. Dahi Odroni. Hello, how are you? Thanks for holding in the fort last week while it's I grand. attended yeah, to fun. some mental I was thinking about it after issues. It is our first, it was our first one that we Just ever done together. Yeah yeah, 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 I think we had Andrea Cleary okay. in with us before. Yeah, it was fun. It was a fun time. We missed you though. I enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed your burial of Taylor Swift. That was really good. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's no me in team. Like, oh, Bullshit. It's the worst combined with and the it's video. Everywhere now, of course it is. Like, uh, uh. It was a classic Dahi moment of like, there's an eem. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's my Dahi impression. And Craig went into Rare Billion Four when you introed the song. Uh, you, like you, yeah, you, you hit all the. I, I kept the tempo up, didn't I? But I was on the episode last week. You were indeed, you were. yeah. <laughs> you were. Um, as most people will have noticed if they heard it. Yeah. Um, so I did. God bless you, sir. May I just say? <laughs> yeah. That's t- okay. So uh, I guess regular listeners of the show will know that I interviewed a band called the Murder Capital. They're a, as you said, the hottest ticket in town, man. They're like, yeah, one of them. They're new, new things are happening for them. They're definitely are. I mean, after that interview, it was just like, yeah, and they've sold out their show. Uh, everybody's ready yeah. to see them or whatever. Yeah. So I, um, the interview was obviously a bit contentious. I think you know, you guys, you had an amazing intro to it where you <laughs> said that you uh, quote would not go for a pint with them, which I got messages afterwards, kind of going like, that is. 
Dumpy speak. That's as bad as it gets for for like dead to me type of thing as well. So you got messages, yeah. I got about fifteen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got about fifteen individual private messages from different people. In terms of the audio, it comes across as if it was like a really difficult interview. Was it as difficult as it seemed on yeah, audio? Yeah, that was my question. Not really. I, like this is the thing. I legitimately got unprecedented negative feedback to this interview. Yeah all on them and yeah. I mean to the point where like you know not percent rotten tomato score for the murder capital <laughs> uh, which I mean like it's weird I mean I wasn't bothered by it at all I mean like I didn't I interviewed them for that interview was about what 22 minutes long with cuts oh with so many cuts like yeah 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 poor Dottie. I had to really cut them down like yeah yeah I did <laughs> I interviewed them for about 32 minutes I think in, in yeah. total when I did it so yeah there was some technical difficulties and it was what it was like he himself kind of says it at one stage your man James McGovern the singer where he kind of says something to the effect of like interviews can be really fucking grueling and there is a feeling out process and that that, that cut, cuts both ways like it's on both sides I mean I've grueling, done grueling though it didn't really seem well, like he, he wasn't was referring a hard to, time with it no he like. wasn't referring to this one being grueling although it turned out to be a bit grueling in a way but like Craig how many times have we fucking interviewed bands and they're just yeah uh, and they, they 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 can be like standoffish. They can be like that's boring. a fair point. At, at be, least they didn't have nothing to say, which is worse. I thought they had plenty to say. Now, yeah. granted, what they said and how they said it might not be to everyone's taste. And due to the fucking feedback I was getting, <laughs> like much of which was unsolicited feedback, yeah, uh, a lot of people do not like what they have to say or how they say it. Personally, I don't care. I wasn't put out by the interview. I thought some of the quotes were good. I thought some of the quotes were laughable. Did, uh, did you think, um, my kind of question was, did you think they were coming from a, okay, we have to project this image of, we're a gang and we're like the band and we're putting on these personas? Or do you think that's what they're actually yeah, like? Yeah, because it is important you know I mean? to note that it's like, we, when we're talking about we're interviewing the murder capital, we're actually interviewing one person from the murder capital. Right. Well, the singer James McGovern was there, as was the drummer yeah. uh, Jeremy Brennan, who didn't, but, but who didn't, didn't say much. much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he seemed just shy, to be honest with you. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I've heard by all accounts, people shyness have... is nice as Marcy once sang. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a ring an endorsement <laughs> anymore. But by all accounts, I've heard that the drummer is like a lovely fella. Uh, I don't know if the singer is or if he isn't. I think he definitely is in the. You know, he he has an intoxicated air of being a rock star, and that's fine. Like, I kind of feel like you kind of have to do that in some ways if that's what you want to be, if that's how you want to project yourself. Um, I've said before, for me, the jury's still out on this band because I've heard two fucking songs. Three if you include that live song yeah. that came out first. Haven't even seen them live. Might go this weekend to their sold out show. Um, I'm, much like Fontaine's, I'm waiting until the album comes out until I know how I really feel about this act. So I'm kind of somewhere in between. I enjoyed it in a weird kind of tetchy way. And to be fair to them, I mean, like I would say there's a bunch, I'd say there was some nervous energy in the room. Um, they're clearly not media trained, which again can be a good thing because you know, how many people are going to say to you, yeah, that's right, we promoters offer us drugs when we go off stage. Like, we all know mm. it happens, but most people are too fucking scared to say anything. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't care if that comes across like, oh, he's a cool rock star. I'm like, it's a good fucking quote. Yeah. You know, helps my job. I always wondered about like media training. Is, do you go wait for a weekend? Is it like an intensive <laughs> thing? Dahi, have you been involved in any media training in uh, your kind of earlier form, you know, formative musical career? Right? Back in the day when I was doing the uh, the talent show, TV shows, okay. theme stuff, I got pretty heavily media trained and it was a big thing as well where like if uh, if there's any like bad like stories from your past you need to tell us now so that we can like uh, <laughs> like we can trade that off for us for an interview with like Dizzy Rascal instead of really? you or whatever yeah so they're like if you like have something dark about your past tell us now so that if a reporter comes to us um, you can trade it off or whatever oh my god uh, and then after that like I mean media training is kind of a broad thing that we probably say a couple of 
different meanings, if you know what I mean. Like kind of in one sense, it's like, okay, well, I'm just used to talking to people and I know what to give what they're looking yeah. for kind of thing. And then another way would be to be like extremely defensive and not letting up anything. There's a is, negative connotation to it, but it can yeah. also mean that you're just savvy and good at doing interviews. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys yeah. probably haven't done a lot of interviews. And also to be fair, like it's my job uh, that to get something out of you in an interview, whether you're good at it, whether you're not, whether you're up for it, whether you're not, whether we get on really well and know each other or whether we, or whether we don't like each other. Yeah. And like my main concern with that interview, I say to you during even the editing process I was like I hope I don't come across like a fucking goof like I like 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 because that I'm some kind of fucking joke in the room because that would be a concern because it's audio yeah like you can do that interview and then go and write it up as I'm going to do mm. and not make mention of any kind of you know kind of flubs like if that was a live interview for yeah, half an yeah, hour yeah. death but you know you did a good edit on it and like and, and writing is its own kind I think of edit. I think if anything I mean it starts off and kind of they, they come across as somebody who's like kind of going oh well this is another just a fucking just somebody who's interviewing us and like having the crack and then like they start making fun of it but then over time when they actually hear the type of questions that say no one would ask they, yeah. they got a bit more they were like oh okay well maybe this is something that we can yeah and i think it's i, I think it's with. really important to point out as, uh, like out as well that like they've got a really grueling schedule of watching a film every day that you know like i mean <laughs> like that i was interrupting so like they watch they watch so many films a film a day like one a day Holy shit yeah. i mean they can't be too jaded with the whole media <laughs> thing just yet like come on i hope they had enough time to check out the football this week <laughs> Am I right? What a week it was for the football. <laughs> Everyone was watching the football. I was watching the football. <laughs> Dude, you missed out. I, mean, I, I heard about it. I heard it yeah. was three heard nights it was of glory. What is going on in Champions League? Because it seems like every knockout rounds it's like on there's drugs. just yeah. There's yeah. just huge swings in terms of Promoters scores. are giving the Champions League drugs when it comes off stage. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it started on Monday in the Premier League, though, mate, when Vincent Company unleashed a screamer. Yeah. And Martin Tyler, in typical Martin Tyler Sky Sports mode, like, waits for his cue and then goes like, <laughs> Captain Marvel! And I was like, you're a fucking <laughs> asshole. But Jesus Christ, Liverpool, Barcelona. Jesus Christ, Spurs, Ajax. I love football. Hook it to my veins. Um, I hate Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, but hey, look, we're not going to see that final because we're going to be at Cullum's wedding. <laughs> That's very true. I'm actually relieved. Jeez, is it honest. that far away? So, like, it's a, a couple of weeks before the Champions League final. Yeah, oh, it's the Saturday. Like it's it's that day, yeah. June. Saturday, 1st of June. June 1st. Holy shit. Craig and I will be in Norway. You'll be holding down to Encore that week by yourself. I will very be. Excited. I have some tricks up my sleeve. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you got the murder capital on her. For a point. Because I was, I was saying that it would be probably quite interesting if we did, like, a second interview where I was like, a pint with Dahi and the murder capital. <laughs> It's worth pointing out. I would go back through the interview and go like, you, you look, said this look, thing. Uh, yeah, what do you really mean by that? Look, it's worth, uh, is that an impression of the singer's voice? Uh, no, that was, impo- that was, that was that me was being a hack journalist. That was, that was my oh, it's an impression of my voice. Okay. Uh, it's worth pointing out that I, we've, we've interviewed Axe more than once in life and sometimes you get a great one, sometimes a year later you talk to them and they're completely different moods. Like, it's fine. It's I mean, yeah, as you say, it's lucky it wasn't a live thing. It wasn't like my charlatan's bloody car crash in front of a live audience. <laughs> At bloody electric picnic, that was just the worst of all. You're still not over it. No, I'm not. It was. It was only nine years ago. No, eight (laughs) years ago. They just said nothing. It was a weird press conference set up, and there was like a big crowd there watching. Literally, because the way it was, full band, and it looked like yeah, Craig was sitting beside them at a table. Yeah, it was like a long table. Signed them to his football (laughs) team. It was so unnatural, and they proceeded to yeah, like monosyllabic answers for half an hour. Luckily, I just did my usual crazy prep, so I had two hundred questions. <laughs> just, I'm like I'm just going to keep just reeling these like, off, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then afterwards they were lovely and like mad talking of. I was like, "What? Where was that?" Okay, uh, would you have 200 questions for David's Benioff and Weiss after <laughs> season eight, episode four of Game of Thrones? Hold on, we can't spoil it for people. Well, we do what you guys did last week. All right. we put five minutes on the Still. clock. Okay, so okay. five minutes on the clock. Do you have to set up the timer? I can do it. Yeah. Hit that music, Eve. 
So yeah, listen, I mean, five minutes maximum because I figure like when the whole thing is over, we'll be talking about it a lot more. Uh, big pop culture event, guys. If you don't watch it, skip ahead five minutes. Uh, what shocked me about this week's episode of Game of Thrones was not that it was bad, but that everyone now is like, had gone from in the space of a week being like, oh my God, that battle. Oh my God, Arya. Yeah. To being like, fuck this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> However. There was a huge drop off of like, I think once the adrenaline was gone. Not to be me, but the show has been really bad for years. Oh, well, How are people yeah, only if, seeing it now? I mean, there was obviously a, a dramatic change once they kind of left the books behind and it became yeah. clear that they're really good showrunners when they're adapting material, but they just can't steer their and, own ship. I mean, like, as we said last week, it kind of doesn't really matter if it's shit or good. Like, it, yeah, as oh, you yeah, said, it's like a cultural in. thing. Like, yeah, we're locked yeah, in. Like, it's Monday morning, that it's Monday morning junk food. And like, here's the thing. Like, I'm not one of those, oh my God, the books. Like, the books aren't a fucking sacred text. I have read them. They are good, but they're also really overwritten and they're problematic in their own way. Yeah, ways. the Bible's way better. Yeah, <laughs> depends on the day. But basically, uh, with this, there is a legitimate, you can, you can see all the seams. You can see when, like, you know, uh, for me, like when Jon Snow gets fucking stabbed and then gets resurrected, that's when the show goes off a cliff. Yeah. And also, like everyone who's like, "Oh my god, it's the most subversive show of all time," I can't believe they've done this. And you're like, "Well, all of that, like credit to their balls for fucking sticking it through." But like all of the great big moments in the show, Ned Stark, Red Wedding, Oberyn, that's right from the books, man. So like, yeah. you know, like you can't really credit the writers with that. You can mm. credit them for doing it and being well directed. They executed really well. Yeah, of yeah. course they did, absolutely. And like, like the show was Red Wedding is a masterpiece. Like, it's great. Yeah, uh, like, like it's done very well. I, I will say that it does set up a much more interesting thing because. I was a bit like annoyed about the idea. It was like, okay, well, are we just going to have this like duo of two people who are going to rule over the game? Like, I'm glad that that's beginning to split now. I mean, that's that's way more interesting than having like a Targaryen duo like ruling over the thing. They just yeah. keep fucking up every single character, whether it's Jamie, whether everything it's John, is so out of character. That Sansa line, fucking hell. To Jamie, no, to the Hound when she was like being raped was actually oh, pretty shit. good. Wasn't yeah, it? that was so much like the, the writers fuck? being like, I know you hated that thing, but actually, when you think about it, didn't we do a good thing? Jaw dropping. <laughs> Really bad. Um, I thought you meant when like Sansa completely out of character. Like she's just said, okay, Jamie can hang out with Brienne, and she's like being nice and conciliatory, and then she's like, can't wait to see your your um sister dead. Yeah, so what you've literally just added that line, so he has a reason to leave. I've just been enjoying the the like the audience of the show turning on it in droves, and it's fine. It is what it is. I wouldn't take it too seriously. It's that's it's, a great fun. Even it, just giving fun. out about yeah, it. Yeah, like, it's, it's great. Great. <laughs> There's just no way that it's gonna like. It's not going to come around. Like, I mean, I think two that episodes, people should yeah. be prepared for yeah. this. Like, that, like, there's no way that they're like, going to wrap this up properly. Like, it's just not a fucking hope. Like, it's just- Someone asked the question on Twitter this week, can you name a show that ended well? I've got like four or five. Yeah, yeah. there's plenty. Mad Men. Sopranos ended well. The Wire, The Shield, Dead the Wire Wind, ended really well. Justified, Rectify. Leftovers. I like Breaking Bad. So. Leftovers ended brilliantly. I forgot yeah. about that one. Uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, 100%. The Return ended fantastic. The Return yeah. ended really well. Yeah. 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 So there's plenty. Season two. <laughs> Season two, maybe not so much. <laughs> HBO aren't great at it, maybe, in the last few years. This is, It's been a while. Like, this is a clear case, though. Of, like, <laughs> sorry, definitely trying to think HBO. The Entourage. Yeah. <laughs> like, ended pretty oh, yeah, well. Yeah. I can't remember what the fuck happened. Entourage here. was horrific. <laughs> they had a film. <laughs> they had a fucking movie. Yeah, I saw that piece of shit. Uh, game of Thrones is still, you know, it's... Breaking Bad? Yes. Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is good. Nah, I hate the ending. Two in love with the character. Friends. Friends ended well. Did it? Yeah. They all went and got coffee. Did they? Yeah, but they were responsible. They right. all grew up. 
What time is it on the clock there, Craig? Uh, we've got a minute and a half. <laughs> a minute and a half! Okay, right. Uh, okay, so I'll say this, right? The character of Jamie Lannister, like, uh, for me, should have been, like, the most interesting character in the show. And because they yo-yoed him so hard over the seasons, it's completely insane. Like, like uh, he would be the most egre- egregious example of bad character writing if Jon Snow wasn't on the same fucking show. Jon Snow's worthless. Um, I think Jamie Lannister's arc kind of makes sense that he would tr- go back, but it's just so condensed now. Yeah. You're yeah, in yeah. such a rush that, like, you needed, like, him with Brienne for episodes upon episodes so it felt like there was yeah, some yeah, like yeah. massive loss there. There is there is quite an interesting theory that people are talking about, which is that Sansa is behind the surprise attack on Daenerys, where she is sent to like a raven to um, King's own. Landing to yeah to like the worst character to in work the, show. the two people off each other, um, and that's why like and then Arya is being sent by Sansa to uh, King's Landing to oh, kill. So, but before we wrap up, why didn't they just kill Tyrion when oh, he walks thing, up? Like, like, Cersei sent Bronn to kill him. She's got a perfect opportunity. Battle etiquette, mate. Uh, real quick, who's, who's going to be on the Iron Throne? Sansa is my answer. Oh. Sansa's going to be on the Iron Throne? Well, no, she's yeah. not going to leave the North. No, it's her. She's going to win. <sighs> Gendry. No, I, I thought that, but I think they've written them out now. Yeah, no, no, probably. Yeah, probably uh, I think if they if they do that all is happy in the end, it'll be Jon Snow. Oh, I hope. Jesus. I hope they do do a like doo doo. <laughs> uh, they, they do. You've got I five hope. seconds, Don. Uh, they'll kill everybody. If, if it'd be great if kill everybody just fucking died. Yeah, burn yeah. them all. That's it. <laughs> Okay, Craig, you watched Guava Island. Yeah, it's two weeks ago now, but um, I got Amazon Prime because uh, it came out. It was on Amazon Prime. I was like, I'm going to do my duty for No Encore. I'm going to subscribe. I've got a month free trial. Um, I've got a week left now. I haven't unsubscribed. But yeah, it's it's not great, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, like mixed it, reviews, right? Sufficient yeah. review. It was it was, <laughs> it was premiered at like Coachella, so it kind of makes sense in that setting. Like, it would have been a bit of, bit of fun. But This is the Donald Glover Rihanna movie for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah. Um, directed by the same guy that's done the Dis, Dis America videos and stuff. It's like, it's 55 minutes. It's too long to be a music video. It doesn't mm. have enough music. And it's too short to be a feature film. Is it new music? No, it's not. It's like, this is America really, like, hopefully jammed in when, like, some oh, worker in a factory and like they're on this island where they're under the tomb of this tyrant it's like a kind of it's like a kind of Caribbean island yeah. and some worker in the factory is like yeah I'm gonna get out of here and go to America and Donald Glover's character is like you know everywhere is like America this is America and then they kick into it and just harass this worker by dancing like a musical? around yeah. I really? <laughs> yeah. He plays This is America in the film? Yeah it's like another music video of This is America That's embarrassing Really? Right. That's, that's, that's mad that it's because, I mean, Atlanta's really good, and Atlanta's I would good. say that This America video is quite excellent yeah. as well. So, is this the first thing that that director has done that's like. Yeah, it's a real right? miss. It's, it's like watchable. You've got Rihanna in it, and she doesn't sing once. And you're just like, what are you doing? She's by far the superior artist. And you've just got Donald Glover singing to Rihanna as she does nothing. Weird. Yeah, anyway. Okay. Check it out. <laughs> so it's Workman's Club of Smoke and Area the movie. <laughs> Craig, you went to a gig? <laughs> it says here. I went to Mini Mansions last night, yeah. What? I Where? forgot I was going to it in Wheelands. You it forgot really, you were really going good. to it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The gig. I forgot the date. You forgot antlers last week. Yeah, I, I should Sometimes you have those weird gigs your, where you're like... Your antlers review last week was uh, insufficient for me. What do you mean? Oh, very uh, quickly, in terms of your kind of, content. You kind of blasted through it. <laughs> Alright, let's talk about it. Antlers played a gig a couple weeks ago. It was really emotional. I got emotional. It was great. <laughs> it was all included <laughs> yeah. in the review last week. 
It didn't was, even say shattered there. I was emotionally shattered by the last two songs in the hospice section of the It was set. tremendous, yeah. There was, was times really during that gig where like the, the room melted away. And it, and it was, was just, just... It was just me and Pete, Pete Silverman, Silverman baby. Yeah. Um, He's a very talented man. Uh, friend of the show, David Higgins, and no popcorn... Uh, co-host I almost called him a guest host there that would be uh, wrong he's he's my co-host <laughs> he, he's my co-father full-time long-term guest host <laughs> he uh, turned to me at the start of the gig and said I don't want to ruin this gig for you but uh, he goes doesn't Pete Silverman look a bit like brutal porn star James Dean and I was like I have no idea what you're talking about Dave so. and I also, he doesn't he does not no, no. He, lo- he looks more like Eric Bana playing Bob Ross and sounds like Bob Ross <laughs> Eric ba- hold on Eric Bana playing Bob yeah, yeah, see, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Because like, like he'll he'll do all these really emotional songs, and then he'll go, "Thanks so much, guys. That was a really enthralling song for us, and it's just great to have you guys in the room with us. And we're yeah. gonna play a few more now, and uh, hopefully we can all just get, get through it together." And he's like, "He's Whoa. a beautiful soul, yeah. very sugar clubby." It was very sugar clubby. Yeah. Yeah. Standing in the wings of a boiling hot sugar club, not to be recommended, by the way. I was wearing like four layers. Yeah, which was Jake. out of control. I mean, one stage, I was like, <laughs> I was like, take yeah, the weather is changeable. Your fucking right. jacket, which the I did. I was like, woolen coat over a woolen fucking. I had a full suit on a hoodie like a red and a coat. And like I was wearing a shirt, and I was like, "Jesus!" I was like, "It was hot." Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, Craig, who are Mini Mansions? I do you not know about Mini Mansions? No. Um, so it's a side project of Michael Schumann's, who is the bassist in Queens oh, okay. for the last few years. Uh, it's a trio, and they do like occasional albums. Like they just released an EP last year, which is really good. Uh, their last full album was great. Okay. Um, they've done stuff with Alex Turner. They're part of that whole kind of like California in the desert crew, like yeah, heavy yeah. rock thing. Um, and they're just they're they were really good. Like I was totally not up for the gig. It was a miserable day. It's like oh, I'm gonna listen to some funky riffs. But they're like such a tight band. It was a great venue. Great, really. Who'd you go with? My sister. She got the tickets and she was like, "Yeah, that gigs tonight." I was like, "Oh, I can't believe I agreed to go to that job." <laughs> Antlers was the same for me. I was just like, "Oh my god, I'm not in the mood to go to a gig, let alone this gig." Jesus Christ! But I couldn't let my boys down. Yeah. Um, um, oh, the support act was amazing. At these these two brothers called Sons of Raphael. <laughs> like it's just the two of them on guitars and they've like a reel to reel tape playing like the backing track. Oh cool. And like in between tracks your man would say stuff like um let's place dynamite underneath the very foundations of the bourgeoisie. <laughs> and then they kick into some like they were just hilarious. But yeah. Jesus. Okay. Um I mentioned my co pilot on No Popcorn, our movies and music offshoot Dave Higgins there. You'll get to hear his voice pretty soon because we recorded the fifth episode last week on the bank holiday weekend in my gaff. <laughs> in your gaff thanks to Perry Partridge <laughs> in my gaff thanks to Dolly's remote remote recorder uh, so we did Queen of the Damned which is a really bad movie oh, starring Stuart Townsend and Aaliyah it's about vampires mate new metal vampire mu- uh, music video of the movie basically what's the soundtrack like soundtrack is discussed at length on No Popcorn okay I'll check it out it contains many an act of, of, of the era <laughs> which actually is interesting because uh, it's led Dave Higgins and I to work on a collaborative new metal playlist which we've been uh, working on and there's been kind of some debate as to what constitutes a new metal song so well I'm happy for you <laughs> <laughs> moving on Thanks. as for metal though I will I will go face to face with the beasts themselves that are Metallica this weekend as I travel to Paris to see them as part of their worldwide tour this weekend oh, this awesome weekend. I can't this wait weekend. to get the report so next week on the show assuming I don't perish in a plane crash I will Jesus uh, I think I'm driving you to the airport am I you are Great. could be our last drive together <laughs> what is this? What Are you scared of planes? Now? I'm not scared of planes. I'm like I wouldn't like if I could elect to not fly. I would not fly. I find it very relaxing, actually. Flying, yeah, yeah. I find it quite. I love taking off. Well. 
That's the bit you people usually hate. And taking off is class. Oh, it's the landing. Though. Landing's okay. Yeah. It's just more, it's the in-between. What? That's usually... The miracle of flight part. <laughs> the miracle of flight. Yeah, you're flying through the sky. Yeah. Miracle. <laughs> so, it's a bit of a miracle. It's a bit of a miracle. You it's can't do it right now. Quite clearly done True, an engineering miracle. <laughs> Technological means. Um, so, yeah, no, it's just more... It's the a miraculous feat. It is. <laughs> yeah. Flight is a pretty big deal. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> because... <laughs> It's because you're totally helpless. Like, you're just like... I don't know if you've noticed. Oh, this is a pretty big deal. <laughs> Christ. Uh, so, yeah, no, I enjoy the the sensation of taking off. That is a bit of a miracle. But it's, it's more when you're just like, I like I have to... Like, what, what if anything happens right now? I can't control this whatsoever. Yeah, if you can't control it, what can, yeah, there's no point worrying about it. I'm actually not I'm pretty chill. The last time I was on okay. playing, I actually I explained to someone the concept of four four eight breathing to make her calm down, and it worked. Oh yeah, that is a good technique. So go. um, are you not more worried about Metallica's performance and the fact you can't control that? I definitely can't <laughs> control. I feel like I, I could have some influence over Metallica's performance. <laughs> really? We'll see. Just look at Lars and send thought. Yeah. Yeah. Send some good drumming, vibes. Some drumming vibes. We should probably get into the news. Yes. Yeah. Let's do it. So uh, two words that I muted on Twitter this week and various <laughs> hashtags related to it, and all were the words Met and Gala because I found all the Twitter content coming out of it to be incredible. Incredibly obnoxious. What's the Met Gala, Craig? <laughs> it's an annual fundraiser for uh, the New York fashion industry, essentially. It's the Met's, um, I guess, fashion section. They have like yeah, a the, fashion a costume institute, institute. Costume Institute. Museum yeah, America, yeah, so they just get like the great and good movers and shakers of like music, film and the fashion world to come along wear like ridiculous outfits and just spend a shitload of money yeah I saw a thing where somebody photoshopped in George Clooney's Batman from Batman and Robin into oh, yeah. it that looked great I saw that as well <laughs> and it fit perfectly it's obviously <laughs> magnificent however what's the musical tie in here well there was lots of musicians there there was Lady Gaga doing a whole thing which everyone thought was amazing yeah. Katy Perry was dressed as a burger yep uh, uh, the- <laughs> <laughs> <The> Irish <laughs> um, fucking what's his name from Batman um, George- crap joker Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Jared Leto had, well, had his own head. Had yeah. his own head. A severed right. Gucci replica head uh, that he was carrying around as a clutch bag, which was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and the god of this show, Frank Ocean, was also there. Yeah. In what looked Kanye. like a Dunn Store's uh, uniform. Well, the thing basically. was, yeah, um, Dave had this muted on Twitter, but he, like, rooted out enough Met Gala information <laughs> to use it as a defense as to why he does not have to wear a suit at Cole Morrigan's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> See, Kanye and Frank didn't dress up. Let's just unpack. (laughs) Oh, my God. First of all, it took me too long to... to You're going to wear Prada to... (laughs) It's the opposite, mate. Uh, It's the opposite. Hang on. First of all, I muted the thing much late, having seen the same images for about 12 hours, and I was like, I'm kind of bored of this now. I'm kind of bored of everyone, like, screaming about this, getting a bit annoying. Um... And yeah, but, but by which point, Craig, I'd seen it all. Uh, yeah. I'd seen Billy Porter looking cool. I'd seen um, Harry Styles. I'd seen uh, Frank Ocean, as you mentioned, who was. Uh, he's getting a lot of fucking kicking over this because, he, like, I'm sure, like, he, the suit he was wearing, and I'm sure the the kind of rain, the windbreaker yeah. thing he was wearing, I'm sure it costs a lot of cash. Okay. The the thing I would say though, and this is this was explained to me very clearly this week <laughs> by who? Uh, by several female friends that several uh, female friends. Yeah, several several people. We had a conversation <laughs> about it. The thing that the, <laughs> the important <laughs> how do you the, do it? The important thing to remember about the Met Gala so is that you must that be exhausted. All, all, like all these female friends just talking to them all, people in the know for this particular <laughs> situation. Okay. I brought in the experts. Is that is that not allowed? No. Cool. The cool. important thing to remember about the Met Gala is that it's a literally a costume gala. It's not like you don't wear an outfit, you wear a literal costume. Yeah. So you're supposed to wear a costume. So in that respect, both Kanye and Frank Ocean 
didn't stick to that idea. So it's well, not. It's not. It's not an outfit. It's costume. Exactly. But hold on. It depends on your definition like a of a costume. This sounds, this sounds like it would stump the bass player from picture this. To be fair, <laughs> and but the, and this is this is what we were saying as well that maybe it's like because it was. Uh, the theme was camp, which is basically uh, like an aesthetic style and sensibility that regards something as appealing because of its bad taste or ironic value. Yeah, that would that would lean in and maybe suggest that Kanye West and Frank Ocean were doing a meta thing. Now, to be honest, I don't think they actually were. I, I think, think they, they were totally did. Generally, no. But Kanye definitely wasn't. Kanye's idea was he was going as. Kim Kardashian's plus one. That was because Kim Kardashian actually mentioned that in an interview she did with Vogue a little later on. That like the thing that he said was she asked what he was going to wear and she, he said, "Oh well, the last time we went to the Met Gala or the first time we went to the Met Gala, you came as my plus one, but this time I'm coming as your plus one. So I'm going to be in the background and people. I don't want people to pay attention to me. I want people to pay attention to you. But so, but hold on, if the whole if you go to what like this is based on that notes on Camp essay from like the sixties. Yeah, and if you look at what Camp is supposed to be and it's like it's out outrageous because it's kind of unexpected and mm-hmm. ironic. Kanye not being the centre of attention and wearing is unexpected and an outfit. And like, I think the outfit, it came out, the outfit was like he was getting, he had like a $50 jacket. So it, it kind of was a costume. Yeah. yeah, sure, yeah he yeah, was yeah. dressing up as something else. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I, I get that. Like, like, I get that idea. Yeah. But I also would say that like, it kind of isn't really a costume. Like, like if you went to the Met Gala, or if you went to the Met and went to go see to the costume, like, like exhibition and saw that costume. But I mean, what about yeah. what about all the quote unquote hilarious tweets that we've seen where people are like, "Oh, Kanye's going to stop me and tell me my shoes aren't good enough because he looks like a bouncer." Yeah, but shoot, that's not the Met Gala's fault. No, but that's the point, Twitter's but it, but fault. It, but, it, but if people are taking that out of you, well, then it is a costume. They were clearly dressed as bouncers or yeah. doormen. Oh, and then when you're getting into fucking, f- f- <laughs> but it's like maybe his personality is a costume. Maybe it's like, well, well, I mean, yeah. there's no winning here yeah. at the end of the day. But I, like, I think they were that by is far the, the campus people. There. there is. <laughs> No winning here. There's no winning here with this kind of. That's why I muted it, guys. I didn't want to get into an existential uh, semantic argument. Yeah. Yeah, and it's probably not the thing that us three should be doing, having a big argument on what constitutes campness. But <laughs> I don't know It was suggested to me uh, from a listener of the show uh, to that I could then use this as a bit of a ghetto clause to slum it to Coleman's wedding. Because I'm like, okay, I don't have a suit. I'm not you, Craig, you know? I don't have, like, a, a suit hanging on like on the rack of my wardrobe. So I was like, if Frank Ocean can dress down to a big event, well, surely I can do the same. And it was shot down. Yeah, I think you I mean, might I, have some, like, I think that's a terrible idea. In the <laughs> I'm not suggesting You that can that. rent a suit. I wouldn't be, like... Also, we'll miss out on our day out we're going to have where we go shopping. Is that actually going to happen? Yeah, of course it is. You, keep, you keep promising this. And we have then... a few weekends left. Also, if you want to bring it around, Cullum's wedding is not a costume wedding. We don't know. <laughs> we can't really we can't anything. <laughs> Dude, we're getting on a fucking plane and going to an intensely expensive place in the middle of Europe. You're going to We've... a wedding through the miracle of flight. <laughs> Could you get a Gucci replica the... of your own severed head? Yeah. Because that would take like all Maybe the conversation away. You could just rent a fucking... suit. Like A suit is not that expensive to rent. Like. It's, yeah, it's, just, it's the whole process, though, isn't it? Like the process of renting a suit. I've got like some nice oxblood Doc Martens I'm going to wear. Okay, yeah. well that works. Yeah, that's that's a good start. But you want start to add, from the add extra things <laughs> other than a pair of Doc Martens? Yeah, no, I, I'm not going to. Is like, it that you don't like people measuring your inseam or something? Like that? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Is that a stressful time for you? I just find the whole thing to be like very laborious. You know? But you're putting it in the laborious. work. Because you're celebrating, you're a, making a lot a of shop really good talk friend with tailors, and who the fuck wants to do that? <laughs> no, but like at the end of the day, you're you're shop you're going out of your tailors. way, yeah, because you're celebrating two people that you whoa, love very very much. You can't. So you you, you set up. You can't do that. You're not going. Yeah, <laughs> no, I can't go. 
I've got a gig. So but I would love to be going. I would you love to be going. You backed in. I've got a gig, lads. Yeah, I have to. I have a big. I've got other commitments. Working. Do you hear this? I'm, I'm working. Do you hear this? Do I can't go. Got his excuses in. If, it's if fine. I did go, I wouldn't go dress as fucking Frank Ocean anyway. That's for fucking sure. Dress as Frank Ocean. <laughs> what, like the fucking front cover of Blonde. Blonde. <laughs> Craig, what are the Wu Tang Clan up to? Uh, they're not up to much, I and mean, they're playing here soon. But in New York City, um, their hometown, they've been honoured in quite a prestigious way. Um, a, a corner of a street—it's not that big an area, but it's still good—in Staten Island, uh, which is their home borough, has been renamed the Wu Tang Clan District, um, which they were delighted with, and which I think here, here, about time. Right? Yeah, you mentioned that Wu Tang Clan are coming to Dublin. They're coming over with Public Enemy and a few others as part of some Masters of Rap tour. I think it is. Yeah, something. It's next week. It is next week, and here's the thing. Craig I've written a note here and it says Dave pisses Craig off brackets WTC yeah and you initially had that in the preamble and it didn't click with me what WTC was and I was like World Trade Center I was like what <laughs> Jeff you can't melt steel beams it's time to admit it I in fact did 9-11 <laughs> no um, I turned down an interview with the Wu-Tang Clan I knew that was going to be what it was yeah really? there you go uh, there was talk of it, and then it kind of went cold, and then the thing is with the Wu Tang, you you don't know who's going to rock up. That's yeah. It. yeah, yeah. I have I, I kind of have a three and four point defense here. So uh, it was put to me the day before uh, when I was working till eleven that night, and I was working a full day the next day. Can you do a phone call with Wu Tang Clan? And I came back and said, "Look, I've no time to prep for this. Um, I'm not even sure and I can a do it." A phone call, like a phone call, yeah. And I was like, I, "I, I've no turnaround time because it's next week, and I, I won't, I won't be able to write it up in time." And also, I was like, "Who am I talking to?" Yeah, yeah. So it, it just it wasn't it was, it was written in the stars to not do it, guys. And yeah, so instead of like, I'd love to have on my CV interviewed the Wu Tang Clan. Yeah. Instead, but, I will have turned down the opportunity to interview. The that's Wu-Tang not bad. It's like yeah, the time I turned down. Well. Yeah, yeah, doing yeah. an interview They're with Lag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you turned down the opportunity. I had to. Yeah, I was starting a new job, and I was like, it was a tough call. And actually, to be honest, I regret. I'd say it. your new job would have understood. <laughs> I need to be one day late for work. Why? I'm interviewing Zig and Zag. Possibly, possibly. But yeah, like a phone call. So obviously, you're going to get one of them, unless it's some weird conference call set up. Yeah, Wu Tang Clan is in some boardroom. Seven different people. But also, it could be like it could be like the Europa League B squad it'd be like Capadonna and you're like what Ghostface what? Like, like imagine like prepping for the RZA and then they're like and now prepping for the RZA <laughs> and now inspect a deck yeah. and also I will admit right I will ha- happily admit I'm not as uh, into the ways of the woo as you would be sure yeah I know the hits you know yeah. but, but I'm, you don't I'm not, follow the Shaolin lifestyle I don't follow the Shaolin <laughs> lifestyle and it would have been disrespectful to everyone involved including you to okay. do this interview well I appreciate that thank you for turning it down <laughs> you're very welcome so uh, there's a story here that we're not going to do uh, let's move on uh, <laughs> Queen's Brian May what's he up to um, he wants another live aid guys to tackle climate change um, no one has informed him that live earth happened I was just going to say like, yeah. this has already been done and was a fucking disaster as well Brian May, a man that's always been a bit too big for his boots, um, very big for his boots, I think, after the success of Bohemian Rhapsody, right? Because yeah, he just yeah, seems yeah, to be yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Um, it probably would take the younger generation to take that um, bull by the horns, he says, of this proposed event. We'd help in any way we can, but I think that's what it would require. This is it, yeah, because he, he doesn't care about live, right? He just wants a live aid where Queen are involved of course again. He that's does. definitely yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. It's like, hmm, like, yeah, that, that movie did really well. <laughs> yeah, Everyone yeah. seems to enjoy the ending of the film. <laughs> Where a big Maybe moment, we could do another uh, one of them. Maybe we could just do Live Aid again. Uh, you'd all obviously encounter all those problems again of like people just being like, you're flying in yeah, yeah, musicians yeah, yeah. on massive jets to talk about, you know. <laughs> there was an amazing story with that 
where Climate Al Gore change. was really angry with razor light the last time and was giving <laughs> out to them. And then apparently, because basically razor light, when they were finished the show, they got like a massive bus to the airport and then got a jet to Scotland. And then like it was the, the, like there was everybody. Those days would never end. Per <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, and everybody, everybody was so angry that the band said that they would offset their carbon emissions by planting trees. <laughs> and they've been doing that ever since. That's why we haven't that's heard. Why we them. haven't heard an album. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's what Slip by Forest was about. Yeah. <laughs> like fucking hell. But yeah, lo- like live verse. Do you remember that at all? Because no. obviously we had live eight. I completely. Do you remember live eight? Yeah. I remember live eight. Pro- yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Live verse was like in a, several different countries. Yeah. There was like uh, Foo Fighters, Snow Patrol were playing. Black Eyed Peas were playing. Who's who? Uh, John Legend, Red Chili Peppers, Beastie Boys. The important thing is that Queen weren't playing. I think is the is the important <laughs> thing to note yeah. here. Was Adam Lambert recruited at that point? <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know if that kind of big concert would have the same impact now, would it? Definitely not. And again, you're completely right in that you can't do a massive concert in a without, yeah. climate change without <laughs> it's bringing inherently massive going against of the cause. Yeah, you could do a massive live stream from home with everybody. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Like, what 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 are we going to do about climate change, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. Shut the doors, batten the hatches. Uh, we're fucked. Okay, I think. I mean, it just seems to be the same story every week, except worse. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. people being like, okay, no, no, we really have to do something. Now. No, seriously, guys. Uh, like, there's a new story every week where it's like, well, this thing just happened that we didn't think would happen for another 400 years, and it's irreversible. So I don't know. The, the, my attitude towards it is this: I'll be dead in a few years. So there you go. That's that's the that's the attitude we're looking for on, on planet the, Earth. That's the attitude you should take on Earth. the plane. <laughs> just let it go and just enjoy the ride. Don't gave me the most withering look there. By the <laughs> there it, it, it was it was it was fuck you <laughs> written across the eyes. He did that. Glaze over. Uh, no, like it's like, I don't know. Like what am I gonna do? I'm just one guy, you know. As I drink from my plastic bottle of water I have over here. That's very true. Well, yeah. Throwing the starfish into the sea that made one difference to one starfish. Hang on a second. Three. Look, we're not cut out for this we need to get the reptile moving in stash <laughs> okay I think it'll all work out what do you reckon it'll be grand hang on seeing as we brought up the reptile movement and their <laughs> what? and their big song yeah uh, because oh we're not going to talk about well, no, the we video will. Are no, no 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 we will we will we absolutely will because right. we talked about it like a few weeks ago while out in, in, in the pub with someone who'd never seen it before the reptile movement are an Irish band who went mm-hmm. from busking sensations on the streets to clogging pints up with Craig to <laughs> pints with Craig Hopper's to, cover story to pints with Craig for Hopper's cover story to clogging up the Olympia Theatre once a year so essentially clogging up the Olympia Theatre <laughs> that's amazing so they had a big song along the way it was called All Works Out a catchy little ditty uh, oh my god do the you remember the song oh like it never it never ends it, like I've heard it oh, so many sorry. times now have you seen the video uh, I can't remember I want to say you'd remember I want to say this is like 2014 or so yes yeah that would be correct I'd say in the video uh, Amy Huberman uh, the actor oh yeah she's in it right and in the video she's in a, a mental hospital Oh um, yeah, I remember this. Yeah, like yeah, it looks yeah, like it's filmed yeah. on location in yeah, Edmundsbury yeah. or something, and I know that because I was there. Um, not when the reptile movement were there. Sadly, <laughs> it would have been a great day for everyone. So um, basically, in the video, which is kind of like low lighting and stuff, she's clearly got some problems, mate. Yeah, and she can't get the reptile movement out of her head. She <laughs> literally can't get the reptile movement out of her head. She sees them, and she's like, "Look, they're over there." And the doctor's like, "What are you talking about, woman?" And then, but she's happy when she sees them because they're playing this upbeat, jaunty tune. The tonality of this is. Crazy. All over the shop, yeah. Uh, so then eventually she gets put on meds, one foot of the cuckoo's nest style, can't see them anymore, leaves, you know, and then walks out and the reptile movement emerge from some trees ominously and she smiles because that's the message. The message is you have to be crazy to like the reptile movement, I guess, uh, question mark. But 
that video is I'm really not doing it justice go look no. it up if it came out now do we think people would be like what the fuck because it's really fucking bizarre it's very odd yeah it's uh, it's hard to know if it would confused. make enough of a wave to cause comment if you know I, what I mean was it like well I'm uh, struggling to remember exactly the tone because it's all over shop but like was it well intentioned in terms of we're raising awareness of mental mental no I think it's concerns, just a or is it just a co- almost a comedy thing I think yeah, I think it was just a concept like, there was no I'm pretty sure it doesn't end it with definitely anything. wasn't intentional to be weird like I think they were like oh we'll just do this for the crack this will be like a fun thing but they probably yeah because like the song not. is supposed to be like oh you can get over your problems was that kind of like they were probably trying to be like yeah I'm pretty sure it's okay not yeah. to be okay we're, we're I'm pretty all sure the together. song ended up on like a bank ad um, <laughs> one of the weird things I remember about like when I was doing festivals and stuff and we're moving were playing as well they used to have like a kind of a van tour bus thing that was like completely covered in a, like a vinyl sticker you know like that kind of thing <laughs> and it has their time moving but the the, the van <laughs> it, the back of the van is a picture of a road so when they're driving it just looks like there's a van road like going straight on irresponsible of anything yeah. yeah it's very dangerous like yeah frauds anyway so <laughs> on the subject hard working band on the subject of mental health uh, I should note that Actually, today, today that we're recording marks the one-year anniversary since the passing of Frightened Rabbit frontman Scott Hudson, uh, who took his own life at the age of 36. Uh, a mental health charity has been launched in his memory by his family. It's called Tiny Changes, which references one of uh, the Scottish band's most beloved songs, Head Rolls Off. It will raise awareness about children and young people's mental health issues. The charity aims to advance understanding of the root causes of mental ill health and support innovation in the design and delivery of mental health services to children and young young people. Uh, reading about this during the week, I was quite taken with um, the statement from his family. Uh, Neil, Marion and Ron Hutchison who said since his sad death in May 2018 the outpouring of grief from people that that knew Scott has been overwhelming whether they knew him personally through his music and art or through the interviews he gave on Deeply Personal Matters so many people have been profoundly affected by his life mental health and young people's mental health in particular was a cause close to Scott's heart he often spoke openly of his own struggles as an anxious child even naming his band Frightened Rabbit after a nickname given to him by his mother Tragically, the weight of his ill health became too great for him to carry as an adult. We want to continue the legacy that Scott built. Uh, so basically, that, that's effectively like kind of a new, uh, specifically aimed at young people charity, like in it, like in his name and his memory, which I thought was uh, a really fucking proactive and beautiful thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because like I've noticed that like there's been like it, it, like its name tiny changes and like people kind of have that like while I'm alive I'll make tiny changes to earth kind of attitude thing. Yeah. Um, I've seen even small stuff, even like you know, um, friend of the show, your manager Googie over in the Rosie yeah. Dove has a wall, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is dedicated to Scott Hudson. And it's yeah. really, it's, Scott it's, was good friends with Googie and played in the Rosie a lot, and basically was drawing um, a, a Strange Brew logo. Strange Brew is the record label that um, that Googie runs, um, and he was drawing the Octopus logo and basically had that. And then um, afterwards, with permission with the family, uh, Googie released uh, pins um, of the actual drawing and stuff, and it's it's been amazing because you really see it everywhere and he raised a ton of money for um, Scott Hutchins' family and the, the um, basically they gave it out to a charity um, but they, he's actually built a wall now in the Roisin with like loads of pictures of Scott when he was in the Roisin and it's stuff. really tastefully done yeah and it's great it's one of those things where I mean like it's a constant conversation I find myself in recent interviews that I've done uh, like Soak and Murder Capital and others like it, it's an unavoidable thing to bring up and there are times when I kind of find myself writing about it and I kind of wonder am I like like am I like is this too much of a crutch or, like am I using this as some kind of device is it fair for me to even be bringing this up like is it am, am I running the risk of becoming like that like like this mm. kind of 
being in every interview, but like it's such a perennial conversation. Yeah. Um, I've no shame in, in admitting that, like admitting, that's the wrong word there again. I've no shame in stating that the reason I wasn't on the show last week is because I just couldn't fucking face it. Like, I mean, like I'm currently mm. seeking uh, counseling. I'm current. I went to my doctor recently. I'm currently trying to once again uh, start those wheels in motion about trying to look after myself because I'm not obviously doing it as well as I want it to be. And even right now, I'm struggling to find the words. And also, perhaps even a point. But I think the point is that, like, when I saw this story during the week, I couldn't help but just be fucking hit in the in the chest with it. Especially that detail in the piece um, about how he called the band Fright and Rabbit because yeah. that was his mother's nickname for really his child. Me too. That was just like incredibly, incredibly sad and really affecting, really human, really, really, really emotional. And it's one of those really kind of bittersweet things that you see the impact a musician can have on people's lives, and unfortunately, it can take something like this to really yeah. kind of bring it out it's amazing how much it's just been coming up in different people and I see I, I see just references to it everywhere like it just seems to be so like that death in particular seemed to be so so kind of massive yeah um, yeah so there's a website for Tiny Changes that you can go on yeah it's tinychangeslike.co.uk um, and effectively you can donate, you can get involved, they're going to be doing all kinds of projects. It does seem to be kind of, it do, it's UK based, but obviously, you know, Scott Hutchinson was such a big name, it's an international story. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, we're still seeing, like, apparently at home here, like, I know First Music Contact are working with First Fortnite to launch some kind of initiative, which is supposedly coming this year. I don't know too much about it. I can't really comment on it other than it was announced. Uh, Help Musicians UK in the UK seems to be doing a lot of great work. So, like, culture seems to be changing in a way, um, but we're obviously still very, very far behind. Yeah. I think even in just kind of person to person mental services are still hard to come by. And, uh, on your point of just like you know wondering is it a crutch where you bring it up in interviews and stuff I would actually say the proof that you should continue to do so is in the articles themselves because time and time again when you do broach that subject it's never a case where it's met with like a brick wall or it's just yeah, like it goes yeah. nowhere people do it's seem to have something to say of, on it yeah right? they really do and I think yeah. they're you know glad of the platform and people do struggle to find the words but the more we talk about it the easier it gets yeah hopefully and I think ultimately like you know one of the reasons why we do this show is because of how much we fucking love music um, which is why the last news story has got me very happy <laughs> uh, the month of August my friends uh, is going to be wonderful so you can you can look forward to reviews of albums from Slipknot and Tool that's right uh, not together I might, be, I might be summering in Cape Cod for that <laughs> oh, you're, not, you're not here for the first Tool album in 13 years really? yeah I'll check it out um, I need to dive back into their back catalog because it's been so long since like my last Maynard um, experience was the Eat the, Eat the Elephant Eat the Elephant um, a, a Perfect ago, Circle perfect album circle, that yeah. we reviewed here and it didn't really do a huge amount for me obviously Tool are a completely different proposition so yeah exciting times it'd be interesting to see just how different they are so the album's coming out on August the 30th and They've done a couple of new tracks live, which I'm I'm not really going near because it's recording people's phones. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm always a bit kind of put out when you see websites like Pitchfork and Stereogum be like, check it out, new songs, but it's fan phone stuff. You're just like, Ugh, like what's the point? Particularly for a band like that, where it's like you need to hear the full quality. Like they're just. I don't know. So poured over the compositions. They're also still not on fucking Spotify. Uh, I no. saw someone uh, who I know who I guess is in Mexico at the moment and he put up a screenshot going, well, look, who's finally joined the club and it was Tool on Spotify and I was like, whoa, incredible. And then like, I went to check it out and I was like, oh, it's clearly a fucking geography thing here because it's not still in, it's not really, in yeah. yeah, yeah. You can go on YouTube and do all that kind of stuff but uh, uh, Lateralis holds up anyway. I'll tell you that much from having yeah, given Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah, my like fifteen-year-old self would be ridiculously excited, and I am excited. Um, but it's been such a long time. Yeah, it's thirteen crazy. years. I bought the last two album on the same day as I bought the self-titled Pearl Jam album in HMV Drada. 
HMV Drada, Pearl Jam Tool. One of those things no longer exists. <laughs> <laughs> so, songs of the week, guys. Uh, last couple of weeks, we've suffered through the new format by... <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> because the new format, Craig, uh, which you suggested... <laughs> Is that we all? I think it's great. I, th- I think it's fantastic. I, yeah, we Jeez, didn't finish. We also did. Okay, it's, it's weird sentence. that there's been a comment on the fucking yeah, every yeah, yeah. single I'll, week. We've kind of commented on. I'll have my comment. It. Go on, finish your sentence. <laughs> I also got like I also got like a DM off someone who was like, "Please go back to five songs." Well, hold on. You finish your sentence, and I'll, I'll Listener, explain further. Listener, I did further. see your message. Let's just try this for a while. Let me paint. Yeah, go on. As for you, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, all I was saying was that like in the last two weeks, like the whole point of this is that we each bring a song to the table. Yes, and thus we each bring a certain level of nous to. To, to it and nuance and selection and curation and all those great things mm. and then last week I wasn't here and week before he wasn't here but we're back now we're back that's in business yeah. that's all I'm saying I, but I will point out you were in favour of completely eradicating songs of the week altogether I didn't use that word like I'm a fucking <laughs> crazy dick <laughs> uh, yes this was my bargaining chip I did like, say let's get rid of it and both of you were like no Dave <laughs> you're drunk with power well yeah because as as you said like, we need to talk you need about, a weekly a, you know <laughs> you need to comment on the we're music, constantly looking music, what like, to do with the show and it's we want to keep it fresh. I'll get it going then. Well, I'll keep it fresh. Come on, I? yeah, that's come right. On. Let's, 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 <laughs> yeah, you've it's got to return. Blink one eighty two. That's right, they're back. <laughs> Are they though? Mark Hoppus, Matt Skiba, and Travis Barker. Blink-182, the song is called Blame It On My Youth. Now, I believe they've gone to another major label. This marking like their third one now. I think they've gone between mm. like Warner and Sony and Universal. Mm. And, yeah, Craig is sighing in the corner, portentously. So, um, Blink-182, Band of My Youth, for sure. Tom DeLong, long gone. And now we have this lineup. Uh, about three years ago, I want to say, they brought out an album called California. I think it was forgettable. <laughs> Matt Skiba, recruited from Alkaline Trio, a band I also quite enjoyed. Travis Barker remaining one of the better drummers in the world. For sure. Um, I'm really conflicted on this one because on first glance, I was like, this is horrendous. Uh, are you, are you going to put a bullet in here? Uh, no. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, let me let me finish. The more I listen to it, uh the less Johnny's <laughs> <laughs> face. We need to get a camera in here, seriously. <laughs> the more I listen to it, the less problems I had with it. It's it's not great. You love it, don't you? No, I don't. No, no, no. It, it's it's pretty bad. It's it's blink by numbers in the sense that like It's not even blink by numbers. It's it like Imagine the... Dragons by numbers. It's badly fucking mixed. Like it is it very Imagine Dragons. Like a digital room. distorted badly way. It doesn't even sound like it's ah, oh, it's rubbish. I don't like it. Okay, calm down, right? First of all, the yes. chorus hook is kind of earwormy. Second person in, to mention. I hate myself kind of way. Just, just <laughs> yeah. you, you mentioned Imagine Dragons, and uh, again, another thing we're going to miss at Colm's wedding. Oh, the Champions League, yeah, <laughs> opening ceremony. They're playing it. Imagine Dragons, sponsored by Pepsi, are the officially way for Champions League. Band. <laughs> Hold on, have Imagine Dragons rebranded as Imagine Dragons, sponsored by Pepsi. They're also <laughs> that's now their name. <laughs> I read a thing this week that they're like the first uh, quote rock band, which is questionable, to like hit the billion stream mark on Spotify twice, and I was just like, we need to ask ourselves some serious questions. Yeah, well, they're not rock. I mean. Also ask themselves questions are Blink-182, um, blaming it on their youth, as it were. 
Yeah, they've settled into this groove as well lyrically where they just keep writing songs about remember when we were young or yeah, like yeah. in that band. Like it's, they've no ideas where to go or how to write about being kind of middle-aged or I don't know. It just felt, it's so safe. Well, when I said it was Blink by Numbers, it was it, in that it does that kind of like hop, skip and a jump up-tempo like kind of rise beat thing. Sure, yeah. And then, yeah, the production is weird, especially in the vocals. Like Matsky is a good vocalist, but he sounds like, like someone who was just like, hey, have you heard of Reverb? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how about this uh, setting over here? Genuinely, like, it, the voices sound completely different. And, uh, like, I keep listening to it going, is there something wrong with, like, the way it was... Um, so, basically, mastering is, like, how loud you make something. Because it is incredibly loud, but to a point where somebody is... I feel like somebody's made a mistake. It, it, there's a digital distortion over it that is definitely not supposed to be there to the point where it's actually re- removing massive amount of quality, uh, yeah. which is a thing that like some rock bands would definitely do on purpose. But this feels really, really badly done to the point where it's actually physically not nice to listen to, which it, is a major issue. Like. It reminded me of like the sound of like CDs around maybe the late 90s, early yeah. 2000s, where it was just like this maximalist approach where everything was yeah. super loud and there was just no depth or it's Completely just a weird like, yeah. mess. Sound of the summer? <laughs> <laughs> are they touring I mean, or anything? Are they? You've ta- like, They're touring with Lil Wayne. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. And did they, did they release something with Lil Wayne or something like Oh, please like that? tell me at these gigs Lil Wayne isn't coming out with a guitar. No one wants that anymore. I mean, I think they we're glad you're back, something Wayne, with Lil Wayne this week as well. I didn't dive in. I was too scared. I feel like I saw something online of like him doing a cover of their track or something. Craig, like you have a song, don't you? <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> you got something over there, buddy? I do indeed. Um, <laughs> this is uh, a rising artist that I found out about two days after he had played in Dublin. <laughs> it's more and more. Finger on that pulse, huh? <laughs> I know, right? That's Someplace Else, which is the title track from the new six-song EP he's just released. He's a Toronto musician um, who's kind of been around for the last four or five years. Bit of an author, does kind of, um, has a huge hand in his visual stuff. Um, great producer, spent a lot of time in front of the laptop and kind of is really great at producing these very atmospheric layers. Um, great voice. And just, yeah, the first time I heard him, I was kind of instantly struck. He seemed like quite a singular thing. Mm. Um, this is a real kind of good intro track into the EP, which I would recommend checking out. What yeah. do you guys think? I thought it was really, really nice. It has a lovely kind of, um, I don't know, kind of very psychedelic feel to like a lot mm. of the kind of the, the main melodies and stuff like that. It's a really nice kind of relaxing listen kind of thing. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's kind um, of vibey. Yeah. Yeah, if it was a physical object, it would be a hammock. <laughs> we need to get those hammocks in here. Hammock on a balcony. We do. Dai, what have you got? Um, I have a, a track called Ricky by Denzel Curry.
Um, so Denzel Curry, uh, we've barely mentioned him on the podcast in barely the last at while. All, yeah, I, I think, mentioned him. I think when he did a cover recently for that Triple J like a version. Yeah, he did right. Bulls on Parade but Rage Against the Machine, and it yeah. was a frenetic, fantastic, brilliant version of it. It's great. That led me to go, you know what? In the in a really tabloid way, I was like, you know what? This guy's going. If Zach Delarocca ain't going to do it, lads, get this guy in instead. <laughs> um, so <Or> basically. <laughs> Denzel Curry is like a he's a very young rapper from Florida um, a couple of years ago uh, at 18 I think it was about six years ago he made this album called Nostalgic 64 which was this like really really big um, album in Florida and really kind of put him on the map um, in about 2015 he, he made this track called Ultimate which became this um, huge like viral meme song which is basically how every rapper comes up nowadays <laughs> it's like it's called like I am the one like I am the one you want you want something yeah. so that was like his big kind of like entrance into kind of meme stuff um, he started getting pigeonholed as a kind of a rapper that's like shouting a lot um, like like a kind of a shouty rapper basically um, but he's actually changed up on that a lot in the last uh, while so he's kind of become a bit more versatile um, basically he made a track called Clout Cobain um, and made a video with it uh, it was directed by Zev Deans um, who actually did the video for Health Slave of Fear believe it or not no way um, really really nice kind of black and white video as well is definitely worth checking out um, he came up at the same time as kind of XXX Tentacion and actually lived with him um, when they were in Florida um, and it's quite interesting actually when you go back through interviews with Denzel Curry he is one of the few people who's kind of quite well able to talk about how um, he was massively upset that he died but also had a lot of issues with X when he was alive um, and has like some really really good like he's kind of come to terms with who he was as a person that they disagreed over so much stuff um, but was also incredibly um, influential to him um, say for instance so this track Ricky is basically based around his family um, Ricky is his father um, it's a really really good track it's like super super energetic definitely feels like a more kind of a single um, kind of track um, his brother actually died Treyon Johnson was his brother um, the brother was tasered by police um, and died due to complications in the hospital and Trayon was known as a kind of a backyard fighter and that's where the videos actually come from um, it's a kind of a reference or a, an homage to his to his brother um, so it's all kind of very based around the kind of the family um, there's an album coming out uh, in the I think on the 31st of May is what everybody's saying um, called Blood In Blood Out um, but uh, yeah he's definitely kind of coming up um, through the kind of the rap scene in a really really kind of There's, strong way uh, I'm pretty sure a Dublin show is imminent to be announced um, oh really yeah um, if so I will be there I love this track I think it's great yeah. I especially love the character work and I especially love the reversal of tropes also when he kind of talks about advice mm. uh, given to him by his parents with regards to women yeah absolutely and it's you know like the advice from the dad is actually quite demure and respectful yeah. and yeah. you know what you would like, like, like almost feminine I suppose in a way whereas the mother's is more masculine and more yeah. kind of just like uh, braggadocious and kind of like you know, there feels like a very strong honesty to it if you know what I mean yeah and even if he is playing with kind of like, like kind of ideas there or, or if it is verbatim yeah. it, it's it's really good shading it's really good yeah. storytelling um, and it's a short fucking song too there's not much like to it like, it's definitely like a single like a pop single it feels like it feels like the kind of thing that could absolutely like take him to a more kind of mainstream mm-hmm. focus level without actually you know it's not like like a fucking studio yeah. sheened thing like he has really good bars and a really really good flow and it's important to remember that he's coming up at like I mean he's only 26 now I think um, he's been at it for like 7 or 8 years mm-hmm. and he's coming up through this time of like kind of mumble rap and people kind of being quite simple with what they rap about and stuff and a lot of his peers would be uh, doing that type of thing Yeah, this is like a 
bit more advanced compared to a lot of the people that would be kind of at the same level. Of, uh, same and yeah, and it's and interesting that you merge from that SoundCloud rap thing and he's kind of differentiating yeah. himself so much. The production on this kind of really struck me. It like reminded yeah. me of like tonight's Buggin thing where it's like metallic yeah. pipe thing, but like this is fed through some pinball machine thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when he takes the energy down slightly, he is a kind of tree stacks, like Andrew 3000. Flow um, and yeah, lyrically, I love that kind of switch up roles. Um, you can really like hear this going off live like. as well. I think. I mean, yeah. this would be yeah, like, like one of those things that he's obviously he's going to use this track as a big push for like live performance. If you know what I mean. Sure. Um, so yeah, really, really interesting rapper. Um, and glad that we get to talk about him at some point because we'll be seeing a lot more of him. I would say. I hope so. Okay, our album of the week this week uh, as a lead in. I guess I'll kind of refer back to a bit of a Craigism. What, <laughs> what if an entire album insisted upon itself? It's Big <laughs> Thief with UFOF. Cattails by Big Thief. It's their third album, getting a lot of love in the press. Craig, who are they? Um, they're a Brooklyn band um, a quartet now on their third LP. They've been releasing quite a lot. I think this is their third in about three years, in as many years. Um, as well as a front woman, uh, Adrienne Lenker's solo album, which arrived last year. Uh, there's some tracks from that that are reworked here. Mm. Um, really struck me when they came out with their debut, um, which they titled Masterpiece. Uh, it wasn't quite a masterpiece, but um, it, they had a kind of big rock sound and they were doing quite kind of cliched things that felt like quite old fashioned in other quarters at the time when like people were putting guitars down. But they kind of they shook it up enough that it seemed fresh um, and uh, vibrant uh, um, and they've kind of continued in that trajectory. Like I, I thought the songs in the first album were so considered that they would struggle to go. Yeah. on from that but actually no they've kind of plenty more where that came from this is very much her album I think the band kind of um, sink into the background a bit it's much more hushed than the previous efforts and her lyrics have kind of become quite impressionistic I guess so yeah yeah um, Book Meek as well who's also the guitarist is a really really good musician good. in his own right yes. a solo musician um, I found this one really, really interesting. Like, I think um, Adrian, Adrian is like a really, like a quite a good um, songwriter. That's like where she really, really stands up. But I think the production really, really comes through on this one as well. I think it's like a very much like a kind of a one of my favorite things about it is is that it feels like a kind of like almost like a an exploration in intimacy because it's like she is very, very close to you the whole time where she's like singing right or right up yeah. close to you. The guitars are right around you as well. It's all very, very acoustic. Um, but there seems to be these sections in the songs where all of a sudden something will like grab your attention because if you have like a really, really chill, very calm songs like this, you, you tend to kind of like start focusing out and like kind of just letting it wash over you. Yeah. But every so often there seems to be this really amazing thing where they'll use some sort of element to like 
basically like grab you by the chin and get you to look back in their eyes again kind of thing like there's, there's one track where it just builds up and suddenly there's like a sudden stop as if it almost like it's cut um, they've done it before in other records as well where you hear like weird like scraping sounds in certain points and everything um, like there's a sc- scraping sound inside of From that I thought was really really like that can't listen to that song I had to turn it off every really? time really because of the scraping there's sound there's a scrape it. pop thing going on and it's, yeah. at, it's at random intervals and it, it drove me fucking insane really I can't listen to that song see I, I, I would take that as like a, a kind of a, a thing that they do to make you pay attention. That was that was how I I took it as like a kind of a maybe pay attention a production style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I understand um, it's meant to be abstract and like that's yeah. You know, like, like the Magic Dealer, the, the last track as well, also has another kind of a scraping thing, and I think that was really really nice because it feels almost like you know at the end of a record where it yeah, plays yeah, and it's yeah. like a small scrape at the end. Yes. That's what I felt like. That was that that was a, like a production choice. Um, there's really interesting points as well where it's all very very close to your ear, and then suddenly like a track called Orange, which I think is a kind of a fan favorite that they've played for sure. years. Um, Orange was, is like suddenly you're in a room with them as opposed to being very, very close. When you listen to Orange, it's like a, a microphone in a room far back from them. So suddenly you're like in a room and it creates this like another really interesting kind of turn in atmosphere, in atmosphere um, and a good bit more kind of intimacy on it. Um, I think Century is an amazing track. It has like a really beautiful kind of like traveling atmosphere to it. Um, yeah, I really like this album. You're not into it. I'm not not into it. I'm, I'm just not <laughs> but entirely. But it insists upon itself. Well, it fucking does, doesn't it? Like, yeah. If I have your definition correct, what is your definition of insists upon itself? Uh, trying too hard, I guess. Um, yeah, that's probably it. Over egging the pudding for sure. Yeah, and look, listen. I mean, I've read a lot of reviews. This people are very enamored. Fucking nine point two on Pitchfork. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> There's some choice lines in that um, review. <laughs> go on. But, but man... this is like a this is perfect for Pitchfork, though, right? Like... Well, hey, you go first. I want to hear that as well. Um, I, I, I might be able to dig a couple out in a, a minute or two but no I really liked it I wasn't quite as enamoured as Pitchfork but I think I mean the title track when that arrived I think it's the best thing on the album I think it might be yeah. the song of the year uh, my favourite song on the album is Jenny which I thought was fantastic Jenny's fantastic I knew, I knew that Jenny would be your one uh, th- I knew that is it. the moment when I think the band get a real get a real kind of fair shake Find those quotes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you and I, let's hash this out. First of all, I want to know, while he goes looking for those quotes, uh, why is this, like, pitchfork, like, wh- like why is this such I, a... I mean, if you what, had to think about, like, kind of the style of music that pitchfork is into, like, putting aside their kind of what they do with hip-hop, say, like, this is, like, if, if you had to, like, you know, just randomly go, okay, well, what band would be perfect for pitchfork? <laughs> like, Big Thief is perfect for that. Like, it's, like, this perfect Americana-style indie that's, like, worked perfectly and has, like, really, like, amazingly well-done lyrics. I mean, some of the lyrics in that is really, really good, like, you know Yeah, no, I mean? no, no. Her, her lyrics are good. She's a good songwriter. Yeah. I, I find listening to her over the course of the whole album can be a bit grating because it's very, it's almost asmr at times. Uh, yeah. Why is Jenny the track that, uh, that you, quote, knew I would like? I, like, while I was listening to it, I was like, it has this, like, grungy underneath that is exactly there and then even the way the vocal melody goes in like that Jenny's in my room thing that has this like big like kind of epic kind of like walking into the sunset as the credits roll feel like that's something happens in it like Okay, okay. That's so you like all over as opposed to the the first time I listened to it I was like okay this is where not much happens go on Craig Alright, um, this is Jeremy D. Larson. Um, it's a very well-written review. Uh, props to him. I'm sure he's a fine journalist. I'm glad he got so excited about it, but when talking about Lenker at the very opening, he refers to her as the singer and oxygen of the Brooklyn Quartet, whose <laughs> lyrics can, among other things, bind all that is living and has ever lived together at the cellular level. <laughs> <laughs> That's just chaos. I mean, <laughs> I kept waiting for magic to happen on this album and it didn't quite come. I mean... It's 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 gorgeously constructed. 
It feels to it's me got like great moments. I do agree. The title track, which you heard a while ago, is very, very strong. I re- the reason I love Jenny was was yeah, you nailed it. I mean, like it's cinematic as fuck. It's yeah. gloomy. It's got punch to it. It's very grungy. It's very Nirvana esque in a way, and it totally worked for me. But generally, I found it to be a bit of a slog. There's enough of a change up here, though. I think, like, I mean, with the changes of rhythm and the changes of even like the way the drums are played and stuff, I think like. The songs are wildly different. They can't really be. Like, I wouldn't say they're wildly different. Well, they're 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 different enough to make it interesting the whole way through. I was kind of I was kind of sold Big Thief as folk, but really daring and experimental. And if this is really daring and experimental for folk, I'm gonna keep staying away from it. I don't want to fucking like trash an entire genre. I think but, like, I think it's how is, like, she recontextualizes it and what she's writing about. Like to me, yeah, there is a lot of songs here where it's you know like arpeggios or it's like finger pick stuff that sounds almost too familiar. But I think the guitars are kind of doing this almost hypnotizing thing, which then she floats over. Like it feels like a kind of placid lake. And like yeah. the whole themes of the record are, are she's talked about like making friends with the unknown and like subject matter of you know alien visitations or kind of ghostly presences yeah, and yeah. then there's lots of kind of very like a lots of animalistic imagery which is kind of quite striking like I love that supernatural air she brings to things it kind of feels like almost suffjany yeah, yeah. Um, so I think what she is doing really helps kind of unmoor from those folk rock roots and it reminds me. They remind me a lot of Radiohead when they get the guitars out. Yeah, yeah. They remind me of um, their work on kind of like stuff like Street Spirit or then years later in Rainbows where it's them at their most earthy, um, but there's still a kind of connection to this, you know, cosmic thing. Um, I think she's a great writer. Uh, They record it in like Washington State. So felt yeah. immediately like it has that vibe of like very kind of like Twin Peaksy. Do you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? It's like of course they recorded it in like I the northwest. Get, I, of- I didn't get that like ethereal charm. I found it to be quite precious and bit too familiar like it's very like plays in the background of a coffee shop where you can probably you know order the artwork with your fucking with your coffee you know. I think it's about how much you let yourself sing into it maybe. I tried. Yeah. Yeah and I mean like I, I went on the Reddit like uh yesterday just to kind of see what the reaction was from fans because I'm kind of really interested because I know like Capacity has this like like a cult following where people just think it's the greatest album of all time which is their second album um, and it has a couple of songs that I think are genuinely like some of the best songs that have been written in the century but like um, what what it felt like was there was like two two different splits of the fans where the, some of the fans were kind of going like this is really disappointing they they have been playing a lot of these songs for years and they have like people have these like favorites that they've always played at shows and now they're in like recorded form and people didn't really like what they did with them because mm. apparently they they go much harder and much more rocky live when they perform them yeah um and then the other half were kind of going well you know like when when capacity came out you had to listen to it for months before it started coming into a turn i mean it's kind of similar to what we said with the aldous harding thing as well like with the aldous harding record we were talking about last week yeah we were kind of going well it's nice to put on and it's like a nice thing but again i would go back to the idea that like this is also a really nice thing to put on but then there's these little moments of production choices that cause me to pay attention to it much more yeah, which I, think I was really really right. um, impressed by and like I don't know it, it's not often that like stuff like this I mean we were saying that like you know it's I mean with folk music and with country music and stuff I mean it's it's very easy to just focus on just the songwriting and not really pay much attention into the production but I think the production's done really really well in this and it brings it up to a much higher level yeah, I think it works for me. It has those grungy elements. It, it reminds me of that kind of Venn diagram of when the likes of Kurt Cobain were influenced by Neil Young's kind of more acoustic stuff. It's kind of, it's folk, you know, in aesthetic, but it's not really folk because I think they're doing, they are pushing boundaries in terms of 
attitude. Yeah. But sonically, yeah, Dave, if you're kind of going into it looking for maybe a groundbreaking Radiohead-style band, like, they're not it yeah. thus far. But I think they're kind of incrementally doing something quite special, and I really dug it. I'd give it... 8 out of 10. Maybe this was the wrong album for me to come in on, and I'm definitely not the best judge for this style. You should try Capacity. Capacity is really, really I nice. will try it, but, but like, you know, I, I, like I say, I'm not, I don't think I'm fully qualified to really kind of delve properly into this kind of music. Mm. But nonetheless, I've done that, haven't I? <laughs> thus, it's a 6. <laughs> done my job. 6 out of 10. <laughs> 6 out of 10. Yeah, it didn't okay. work for me. Do we do 0.5s? Do we ever do 0.5s? Yeah, whatever you want, mate. I'll give it an 8.5 then. I, Whoa! I, I, gen- <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely think that like, we'll be talking about this uh, in the end of album, end of the year album. Wouldn't bet talk. against it. Hooray. Speak. <laughs> this episode of No Encore was engineered by Sonic Architect Eve Murray. What have we been listening to apart from this? Well, I mentioned it earlier on, New Metal Playlist, obviously, and uh, I happened to be in Dotty's car on the weekend. Yeah. Driving around in the sun, going through Phoenix Park, blaring some tunes, and we blared Duality by Slipknot, which I didn't realise on that day was its 15th birthday. There you go. Fate. Synergy. <laughs> no, it's called Duality. No, it's called Duality. <laughs> 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 it holds up, though, as does the album Volume 3, uh, Subliminal Verses, which turns 15 oh, itself. I go back to the whole thing, actually. Yeah. Well, it turns 15 uh, at the end of this month, so we'll be great. talking about it then. Okay, great. Let's do it. Slipknot are great, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been listening to an album uh, that I gave 7 out of 10 a couple of weeks ago. I've kind of I've spent a lot of time with Vampire Weekend's new one. Oof. Yeah. I went back to it once. And I will say that, like, having the shackles of having to review it off, yeah. I enjoyed it more. However, I, by the end of it, I, I, I couldn't... I thought I was coming around to it, and I'm still like, no, I'm not quite there yet. Again, the reviews have been gushing. Yeah. I've done my rework, by the way. I've cut it down to a tight 40, First Cousin of the Bride. I think it really works. How many songs is that? Um, I think it's 11 songs. Okay. You're losing a lot of country. You're losing a lot of, Are I think... all of Daniel Himes' contributions gone, I hope? No, like, I think the opening is very strong. I think that works thematically for the album. But okay. um, yeah. based, based, based on your review, I haven't listened to that album at all. I think that, check that's it kind out. of power that there's you hold there's a few gems in there <laughs> well like, if you listen like, to if you go and listen to like the Nine Nine podcast Andrea Cleary was incredibly like in love with the album she thought it was yeah. fucking brilliant well her point was kind of like it is you know because of its length and how short the tracks are it becomes a kind of choose your own adventure thing where you can like I think she's going to make her own playlists and it's yeah, one of those like a Pablo almost I said things. to her yeah, as yeah. well it was one of those ones where I was like we won't continue this conversation because it will end up in some kind of row. But I said to her, it's a colossal failure. <laughs> and she was like, I disagree. <laughs> well, that's allowed, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. That's why we're all here. Yeah. That's why we're all I listened here. to it once beforehand and I was like, okay, well, I probably have to sit with this for a long time. And then based on the review, I was just like, eh, don't think it's going to be for me. Um, Justice what for Modern is Vampires. For me, <laughs> what is for me, and I've been listening to it solidly like four or five times every single week since it came out is the Tierra Whack track uh, Unemployed oh so god which is unbelievable and one of the best videos that I've come across in ages uh, like her uh, working in a kitchen killing potatoes and it's absolutely <laughs> amazing and really worth a watch yeah. and the track is amazing She's so so good alright speaking of good music and good videos uh, friend mm. of the show Bantam teamed up with Loa again for a song called April Brave came out about a week ago we didn't quite get to touch on it probably would have been my song last week but I wasn't here 
Instead, you sold me down the river by saying that Taylor Swift was the one that I was bringing in. So there you go. <laughs> that was a uh, joke. <laughs> this, this is definitely a better song. Um, if you're not familiar with Irish Sierra Leonean singer-songwriter Loa, she's very fucking good. And if you're not familiar with our boy, Quark bass producer Bantam, he's great as well. Re- reverse the podcast and just start at the start. Yeah, and to what a an intro. Track oh yeah, intro. Bantam does the intro music. <laughs> People are always asking, like, what's that song? It's so Move. Good. Move by Bantam off the Testament sound. to how good it is, is we were going to change it every yeah. year. But we're not. No, we can't. No, no way. One of these days, we've gonna... we've taken. It's not a Bantam song anymore. It's a new encore song. Yeah, it's it's a, like the track is great, <laughs> and it's impossible now. Like if it comes on, like yeah. if I if I'm in like, well, like, like, like <laughs> do you go hello? Oh no no! Dude, like I was out in like the Workman's once or somewhere, and it came on, and I was like. Have I somehow like knocked on the podcast? Um, like, is it, how do I turn this off? Oh, thank God, it's not the podcast. So yeah, but uh, uh, this is the first of a string of new tracks between the two. They're going to keep uh, doing more stuff together. Uh, I know Bantam has some other stuff coming up himself, which I've heard, which is very promising. It's great to have him back. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a terrifically lovely boy. He's an extremely innovative and interesting guy uh, as a producer. Uh, I know you're a big fan, Dahi. Big big fan. Yeah, yeah. lovely boy. Uh, this track is called April Brave. I feel like I've talked it up enough and uh, and Bantam as well. I think we I think we, all, I think we all just have a bit of a bit of bit of a crush on Bantam. You know? Massively so, yeah. lovely, He's lovely man, crushable lad. It's a great tune. My name is Dave Hanready. This has been a encore. There'll be no encore. See you next week. April Brave, soft city skin. I knew your day. I knew your day. Blue light of a red state. I felt you there. I felt you there. One in such a glorious fire. Lighting up my day. Lighting up my night. Time like
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central only on PBS. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.